Hey, hey, and welcome to another podcast, Valley Sunday. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Paco. And I'm your other host, Jeff Cameron. How's it going, Jeff? Oh, delightful. How about you, Paco? Very good. I'm excited to go down to the casino with the monkeys on today's episode, Monkeys on the Wheel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. It is something else. I'll say that. Yeah, man. Is our 46th episode of the show? Yep. Episode 46. Not our show. We've had a few more than that. Yeah. But we're 46 into the Monkeys series. Unreal. Yeah, 12 left. It's nuts. Wow. Nuts. Crazy to think about, man. It is. It really is. One thing before we start and get going here, uh, just to talk about, we've got the Monkeys reunion farewell tour going on mm-hmm. right now. It's not a reunion, it's a farewell tour with Mickey and yes. Mike. And uh, we have to point out, Jeff and I and our ladies, we had tickets to go see them in Detroit. We're both Canadian. And the borders didn't open up in time. And so we couldn't go see them. We had the, the open invite from Mike and his people to go see them backstage oh. and stuff. And, yeah. and uh, the, sh- the show is on November 2nd, and uh, the borders open November 8th. Yeah. We Who earns? Missed it by six days. And uh, we'll, we'll give a reach out to them just to see if perhaps we could uh, somehow talk to them some other way. And get, perhaps get them on the show. But it was definitely... It, it, I got to say, it feels weird for them to be on this farewell tour and for us to not... Mm-hmm. Make the point to see the. Oh, we did make the point to see them, but then to be uh, made, shut out. We made the effort. The <laughs> attempts were made, but uh, no, it's a bummer. Yeah. And uh, what can you do, man? That's that's life. Sometimes it is. We got we'll, we have the we'll live catch on up. the next farewell tour. It'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, and at least we did see them uh, on the first Mike and Mickey show tour, so we we didn't miss out yes. entirely. But yeah, uh, that was delightful. But yeah, if, if any of the monkeys people would like to bring us down for the uh, absolute last show in Los Angeles, we could do a, a whole oh, yeah, live yeah. podcast from the show and be there for the festivities. Yeah, you know, please, you know, it'd be swell. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a great time. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, one of our listeners sent us a picture over our Facebook he sent us a picture of, from uh, Monkeys on the High Seas of Mike sick, like getting off the boat onto another boat to be taken away because he was so sick. Oh, for real? Yeah. So his, it, Tom is, is the, the, the listener who sent it to us. I just want to say thanks for that because we were like, he just didn't want to do it. But there's this picture of him <laughs> looking green in the gills, hopping on a little uh, escape hatch wow. boat to get wow. out of there. Well, thanks for that, Tom. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. But anyway, we are dealing with Monkeys on the Wheel, directed by Jerry Shepard, written by our buddy Coslo Johnson, and originally hey, aired hey. on December 11th, 1967. We haven't heard a peep out of Coslo for, like, quite a few episodes. Yeah, he's probably getting a Get Smart ready to go or whatever. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, we open on some stock footage of Las Vegas in the 60s. And there's this voiceover saying that Las Vegas is a place where men come to find the things he loves most. The things he loves most. The things he loves most. And each time he says it, we see uh, Peter chasing a girl, then Mike's chasing a girl, and then Davey's chasing a girl. No Mickey at this point. Not yet. And uh, so then we cut to like this tiny little roulette wheel and two gangstery looking guys. And one of them's pretty much doing Mickey's Cagney impression. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and his name is Boss. 
All right, we've been planning this caper for three years, right? Right. Right. He's played by David Astor. And uh, he says that, that the, the real roulette wheel is rigged to stop on red 16 for five minutes starting at eight, right? And the guy, other guy says, right. And then the boss guy, he's talking. As he's talking, he's moving his cigar up and down. And the dumb, dumb gangster guy is just like following it, bounce around like an idiot. And then uh, the boss tells a dum-dum, whose name is Biggie, played by Pepper Davis. Great name. Tremendous name. So he tells him to go, so Biggie takes off. So back at the casino, Mickey's with a blonde girl. Her name's Zelda, played by Joy Harmon. And he's talking about how their love will go on forever and ever. And he's, and he's, he's talking, the girl's just, he's just giving the girl coins, and she's just feeding them into all these different slot machines and losing and losing and losing. Mm-hmm. Do you recognize <laughs> Joy? I didn't recognize. I, I, she looked familiar, but I couldn't place her. Uh, yeah, she was at the bank they robbed a few episodes ago. Oh, that's funny. I, I should have noticed that when I looked up her IMDb. Yeah, that's. Uh, I believe it was Mike Nesmith's wife's friend from church. Oh, wow. He asked her to tell him how much she loves him after she pulls the lever and she reads what she got. Two oranges and a banana. And he thinks that it's love talk. And he's like, oh, two oranges and a banana. <laughs> that's phallic. Yeah, it is. It's true. So Mickey continues to talk about their love and how it will go on, like... Two lemons and a crab apple. And uh, when he tells her that he has no more money, she tells him to buzz off, Charlie, and she walks away. <laughs> and then uh, Mickey has a Dolan's freak out, and he pulls the lever, and he wins big. Buzz off, Charlie! God damn And uh, suddenly she takes notice and she tells him that he has magic fingers and she kisses his delicate phalanges and then she drops to the floor trying to pick up all the money. And Mickey says, I thought she only loved me for my money. And then we go into the intro. Uh, Minute 40 this time. We're back to uh, tight, lean, cold opens. Yeah. Yeah, finally. (laughs) Actually, I kind of like the long ones when they kind of go crazy for a while. It depends what they're doing. Yeah, true enough. So uh, for the intro music, they play like like the Bugs Bunny music, essentially. The under theme? Yeah, they've used that. I think they use that on the, uh, when Mike is the songwriter guy. I think they use that one there, too. Perhaps. But uh, I was kind of bummed out because I thought it was going with the uh, the second season adaptations of the theme to the episode. I was looking forward to a glitzy casino-y A, a glitzy Vegas thing? Yeah, yeah. Huh. They haven't done that the last few episodes. Maybe they're done with that. Uh, maybe. So Mike walks up to Mickey and the girl, who's still collecting coins off the floor, and he says that Mickey promised them he wouldn't gamble, and he has to hurry up because they have a show to play. And, like, again, uh, a mention of the, them being in a band, which was uh, uh, kind yes. of amazing. <laughs> Very brief. I thought it was going to lead to something more with the band, like they were playing in a Las Vegas casino or something. We'd see some, Almost, some of but not, not quite. No. Could have went there, they didn't. Yeah. So, uh, so if, you had, if you had brief mention that they are, yes, indeed a band on your monkey's bingo card, you get the square. Yeah, dab that one. And uh, so Biggie, the dumb gangster, he's looking at his watch waiting for 8 o'clock to come, and Mike and Mickey are walking past, and Mickey's uh, telling Mike that he didn't mean to gamble, and as he's telling him, he sets down the sack of money on the roulette table right on red 16. And oh. then the guy says, no more bets. And he spins the wheel and it lands on red 16 because it's after 8 o'clock. So the casino guy is played by Rip Taylor. 
in one of his most non-flamboyant Rip Taylor roles of all time. He kind of ramps up as the episode goes along, but at first he might sneak yeah. past you because he's pretty laid back. He, he had not yet blossomed into, you know, legendary Hollywood comedy nuisance <laughs> Rip Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> so Rip tells him that he won, and he starts putting down sacks of cash on Red 16 right in front of Mickey. He's now convinced he has magic fingers. So Davey comes up and he scolds Mickey and Mike that they should be rehearsing. And then Rip Taylor spins the wheel again. And Biggie tells Mickey that he shouldn't bet on that number because it's unlucky. But when Mickey tries to move the bags of loot, Rip Taylor smacks his hand and tells him he can't change his bet. Don't you touch that money while that ball is moving, dum-dum! Then the ball, of course, lands on red 16. So Mickey's super stoked and he starts to wave his magic fingers around. And Biggie grabs his hand and crushes his fingers. Magic, oh, magic fingers hurt. And he tells Mickey, they told you it was an unlucky number. And uh, Biggie tells Mickey he should leave. And Mickey agrees. But then Peter shows up and asks what's going on. And they tell him about Mickey winning all the money. And then Mickey grabs the loot. But then Peter put, puts it back down onto Red 16. And he says, you should never quit while you're ahead. And uh, so, of course, Biggie grabs Mickey. But Peter's like in between them. So he's like grabbing around Peter to grab me, like hugging Peter to grab Mickey. And uh, he says that he told him not to play that number. And Peter says he can play any number he wants. And it lands on red 16 again. And Rip Taylor turns it on. He starts to turn it on now once he starts winning yeah. a lot. You could just die from this. D16, broke the whole bank. So Rip Taylor tells Mickey that he broke the bank. And then he flashed to the boys like smashing a piggy bank. Then back to Rip Taylor. Who, uh, he now has like the, the world famous Rick T- Rip Taylor handkerchief and he's like dabbing himself and he goes on for a bit on the situation all Rick Taylor like. So the boys carry the sacks of coins into their room on a stretcher and they say that they have enough money to buy whatever they want. Then we cut to Boss and Biggie who are talking and the boss says that they need to get that money back. So Boss tells Biggie to get Della the decoy and he yells at him to get out of there. So- <laughs> So Mike tells the boys that need, they need to invest their money to something worthwhile. And we flash to Mickey with Zelda and then Mike with the blonde girl and Davey with the girl with black hair and then Peter with a stuffed toy tiger. And then Peter says, you must be joking in an English accent. You must be joking. And Davey says, that's my line. Then Peter apologizes and then Davey says it. You must be joking. And then someone knocks at the door and it's Biggie dressed as a maintenance man. And uh, he and Davey go back and forth for a little bit. And then Davey says he can't be the maintenance man because they, they don't come that short. And uh, Peter tells Davey that Biggie's not that short and he should stand up and show Davey how tall he is. I am standing up. Oh, uh, yeah. And so and suddenly, like, a sexy maid walks in and she's then this is Della. And uh, she, t- she turns the boys and the cartoon dogs to smell a steak. Like, <laughs> they, like, float across the room. And Peter asks if she's a maintenance man, too. And she says, sure, don't you like the way I'm maintained? And so Davey takes a step towards her, and Mickey says, Davey. And then Peter tries to go to her, and Mickey says, Peter. And then Mickey says, well, Mike and I. And then they walk towards her, but the other two jump in. So they're all going crazy over this girl. And uh, while the boys are distracted by Della, Biggie starts shoveling all the Mickey's winnings into his vacuum that he brought with him. God damn it. It's like one of those big shop vac vacuums. Yeah. I like um, how right away, they, they come into money. and They're not like, 
you know, or the starving band were probably behind on their rent. Hey, what? How are we going to get rid of all this money, guys? Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, so Rip Taylor goes on a bit of a tear about how the wheel has been rigged and he can't do anything about it. And it's a really great, funny Rip Taylory <laughs> moment. There's a wire attached to the thing. It's just rigged. It's bugged. It's just total loss. I've sent for the police. They'll help me because I know nobody else in the world helps me but yourself. I just sent for the police because it's their job. You know, I'm just a nervous. I'm not letting you say Rip Taylor goes on a tear. Laughing my ass off for a second. Anyway, go on. So a cop walks up to him, and it's our old buddy, Dort Clark. And he was in the picture frame in Monkey's a la carte, and he's always playing a cop. Oh, Dort. And so Rip Taylor lets him know what's going on, and they go off to arrest Mickey. At least that's what I think they're going to do. I couldn't really understand. Because they just all of a sudden start leaving, so. Is Dort short for something? I don't know. I don't know what it is could it the possibly male, Is it the male version of Dorothy, perhaps? Maybe. Maybe. So uh, back in the room, the boys are still fawning over Della, and Mickey starts to to play like her feather duster like a guitar, and he's singing. <laughs> and then Davy tells him to stop because she has a line. And she's like, say your line. She's like, and then she's like, I don't have a line. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you don't have a line? He just like pushes her out of the frame. Mickey, she has a line. She has a line. No. You don't have a line? How's that? And as he pushes her, she's like definitely laughing for real. Like, I think that whole thing was not planned. Like, I think Davy sure actually. I, it's just season two, baby. Yeah. I think Davy knew, or Davy thought she had a line for real. And he's trying, like, Mickey, oh, shut yeah. up. Let her do your line for God's sake. And she's like, I don't have it. I don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so during all this, Biggie wheels the vacuum out of the room with all the loot in it. And uh, the boys finally realize they've been robbed and they freak out. And they start calling for the cops, like just like calling out loud for the cops. There's a knock at the door. and When Peter answers it, he gets hit in the face with the door and the cops come <laughs> busting in and they say they're the police. And, and Mike says, what took you so long? <laughs> and uh, so Rip points out Mickey and says he's the one with the magic fingers. And Mickey agrees and says that he's been robbed. Then Dort asks if he will sign the statement to, to say he's been robbed. And Mickey says, of course he will. So Dort hands the piece of paper to Davey, and he passes it to Mike. He passes it to Peter. He passes it to Mickey. And Mickey signs it. And then he has, he has to ask the other guys how to make a capital M. Capital M, take one line, 45-degree angle, 90-degree angle, that line, 45-degree angle, in and line. Got it. There's no, I don't think there's a 90-degree angle anywhere in, a, in an M. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going straight up. So Mickey hands a piece of paper back, and Dort tells him that now that he's signed a confession, they're all under arrest. And this seems like questionable police work at best. Like Ruse, there it is, he, against he, the monkeys. That was more of just a blatant lie. Like, <laughs> here, sign crime. this. Yeah, and he just, gets, he just doesn't want to do his job. Dort's been a cop for too long. <laughs> he's seen these guys three times. He's like, not again. I'm not dealing with these long-haired weirdos again. <laughs> so the boys all protest, but they're all taken away. So at the police station, the boys are there, and Mike says that he's, he knows his rights, and they can't do this. And they point out all the things that a Dort can't do, and he agrees with all of it. He's like, you're right, you're right, I shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do that. And he says, but it's the way I've always done it. And then they all kind of accept that. Like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. So Dort asks where the money is, and uh, Mike tells him it was stolen. And Dort says the stolen money was stolen? And he says, you can think of a better story than that. And so then they all start to tell, like, Jack and the Beans talk, like, break it down yeah. and different things. 
and uh, Rip cuts you... them off. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Were you distracted by that enormous light they had in the police station? Yeah. Like, it wasn't your typical interrogation lamp. That was like a, a movie light or something. Like a spotlight. Yeah. Like a, like a jet landing light. Like they got the... it off of the uh, 20th Century Fox logo. Yeah. And wheeled it into the studio. <laughs> they won't miss it. <laughs> so Rip cuts them off and he says that they knew the wheel was rigged but says uh but he actually says the reel was wigged and then they both then Dave says the reel wasn't wigged and they go off on that for a little while wait a minute wait a second I suppose you didn't know about the roulette wheel being rigged did you the reel was wigged the reel was wigged officer arrest this man wait I didn't do it I'm innocent I didn't do a thing they do some fun stuff throughout this episode like that and sometimes you wonder if it's <laughs> they're really flubbing it or they just rolled with it and like double flubbed it it's great yeah yeah it's awesome so mickey gets bummed that he doesn't actually have magic fingers and then davy tells, tells him that he likes mickey's fingers and then dort tells him that they can get the money back within 24 hours he'll let them off the hook but if they don't they go to prison for 20 years <laughs> yes no pressure guys so now the boys are alone and mickey's saying that they don't even know who the crooks are and Mike says, well, if they can't find the crooks, then maybe they have to get the crooks to find them. And Davey asks how they're going to do that. And Peter says, maybe they can open a prison. And the boys do not like that joke. Why don't we open a prison? Ooh, 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 ooh. Is that stupid? Oh, stupid. Peter, Peter. They, they hate that joke that Peter told. But they mispronounce crooks at least twice during that sequence. And I'm not sure if it's super intentional or not. <laughs> and then Mike says he knows how they can do it and they converge and they discuss in hushed mumbles. Mumble, mumble, The boys walk into the casino and they're all dressed very gangstery now. Except for Uh-oh. Peter, who's dressed oh, like geez. like an accountant, essentially. And uh, so Zelda comes back up to Mickey and she says that she knows him from somewhere. And he says she doesn't because he's from Scranton and he's used, he's like got like a gruff voice. They all have gruff voices. And uh, the boys are at the roulette table, and they're all, they're all sleepy for some reason. Like, they're all falling asleep. And I don't know. Maybe there's a scene cut or something. They all, they all took sleeping pills or something. But uh, so Rip spins a red 10, and they say it down the line, and Biggie's at the end of this line. And so Mickey recognizes him as the guy who crushed his hand. And Mike thinks he must be one of the crooks. So Mickey tells Biggie not to bother the professor. And that he's the insidious strangler and he's the boss of this gang. And the professor's Peter, who, who's dressed up like, like a nerd, essentially. And, <laughs> and Biggie says he wants to know what, why their gang is in town. And Mickey says they're there for robbery, extortion, and murder. And Mike says, sort of your regular tourist activities. But it really seems like the words tourist activities were dubbed in. And it sounds like it's mm. Mickey saying them. Sort of your regular tourist I think Mike might have said something else and they had to switch it up or something. I don't know. It looks and sounds, sounds very like Vegas, weird. Sounds baby. Because yeah. They couldn't get specific about it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Peter says that they're actually there to play a gig and they all cover his mouth because he's being dumb and giving it away. Jeez. So Biggie says uh, that when his boss wants to know something, you better tell him. And Mickey asks, who's going to make him? And then uh, Biggie grabs one of those like rake things that people at casinos have to scoop up all the chips and the dice and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he smashes that over his own head. And, and there's a lot of reaction shots of Rip Taylor throughout the scene. Like, constant going back to a close-up of Rip Taylor, making weird faces. So Mickey calls over Davey, and he calls him Muscles the Mauler. And Rip says... <laughs> <laughs> 
And so Mickey tells Davy to do the same thing. So Davy grabs the rake and he busts it over Biggie's head. And Mickey tells Biggie that Mike just spent two years in solitary confinement. And he said he could do it on his head. And then we flash to a shot of Mike that's upside down. And Biggie says, well, he'll give him two more years to get back on his feet again. Whatever. And then uh, Biggie asks Peter what he does for the yeah, game. Who let Jack Winter into this? Episode? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Biggie asks Peter what he does for the gang. And he says that they're there to take over the town and win all the money. And he's got a system. Or Sorry. He starts to rattle off a bunch of math speak. And he says that 7 plus 5 is 11. And Biggie says, no, that it's 12. And then Peter counts it with his fingers, with Biggie's fingers. And he says, that's the missing piece of the theory. And now it's perfect. And then upside down, Mike says. Oh. So, there it is. Wonderful. If you so have that bo- on your card, check it out. So the boys are let into Biggie's office by Biggie. And they'll have gravelly voices. And Mike has a high voice. <laughs> and the boss tells him to sit down and then he and Mickey go through this whole performance art piece essentially like they're making noises and pointing to each other and then eventually they have like dueling Cagneys of course incredible this is the, the peak this is the absolute pinnacle of the Mickey Dolan's Cagney operation it's like yeah. a boss fight And so Mickey tells the boss that the, pro- that the professor has a surefire way to rig casinos. And then he grabs Mickey and asks how. So Mickey, he says, hold on a second. And he switches Peter with him being grabbed by the boss. And Peter tells him that's the equalization of ratios and explains it by pouring booze in these drinks and making them drink all these different shots of booze until Biggie and boss are too drunk and then they pass out. Twice. <laughs> yeah. Back to back to like within the same scene. So they pass out and everyone's stoked with Peter, but Mike reminds them that they still have to find the money. So they start searching around and somehow they set off an alarm, which then wakes up the boss, but he's so drunk that he says that they're in and uh, they can use their system with his money. And he slams his hand down on the desk, but he actually slams it down on Mickey's fingers. So they all go down to the casino and a guy walks up to Mike and he like holds his nose and then smacks it with the other hand. And he says, and Mike says, what? I'm not wizard glick. And the guy says, oh, and then he just walks away. Uh, wizard glick is, is from another episode coming up. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a uh, Monty Landis. I think his, one of his characters is wizard glick in an upcoming episode. Interesting. I wonder like if it, a, I don't know, a foreshadowing thing or like a very early multiverse deal in the MCU, the <laughs> monkey cinematic universe. I hope it does come up somehow. Like Mike's like, oh, Wizard Yeah, Wizard Glick is a monkey's thing. I, but I hope Mike like references this moment, I'm saying. Like yeah, if he's yeah. like, oh, Wizard Glick. And he goes up to him and smacks him in the nose or something. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure anywho. mad foreshadowing. <laughs> At a roulette table, Constable Dort is there. And he asks where the money is, and Mickey points to the bag with Boss and Biggie because they brought the money so they could gamble with the system. So they start to take the money out, and Dort asks Mickey why he doesn't take the money, and Mickey asks Dort the same thing, like, why don't you take the money? And he says, I don't have proof that it's stolen money. So now all of a sudden, Dort's playing by the books. Like, he, he, <laughs> he could just say, that's stolen money, you're coming with me, bad guys, like he did with Mickey, but no. He's good na- cop, bad cop, and good cop. Yeah, yeah, all the same cop. 
<laughs> Rip says that they better make sure they lose that money. And Mickey says, no problem. And he asks Peter what the number is. And he says, 24 red. So Mickey tells Dort that Boss is going to lose in his first spin. And Boss overhears him. He says, what'd you say? And Mickey says that you're going to choose on the first win. And the boss tells Mickey that 24 red better win. So Rip spins the wheel and Zelda walks up back to Mickey and she says that she knows him from somewhere. And he says he's from Transylvania. She said, but you said you're from Scranton. (laughs) And uh, so the ball ends up on 24 red and boss and a biggie are super stoked. They won and Rip is going to have a stroke. Like he's freaking out that these guys won the money. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, Dort tells Mickey that they win over a million dollars. He's going to throw away the key and fill the cell up with cement. So back to bad cop. It's <laughs> a wild phrase. Yeah. That's a, quite the threat. <laughs> yeah. You better hope the cell is like solid. It's a cell with like bars and the cement just keeps rolling out into the hallway. <laughs> you can't understand right. why these guys aren't drowning. So Mickey asks Peter for another number and he says 212 green. And then Mickey protests, that's not even a number. And then Peter says, yes, so there's no way that they can win. And Rip Taylor is super excited. Because at first, when Peter says uh, the number, Rip Taylor's like. And then when he tells him his plan, he's like. Which is, I, I think Rip Taylor, they just call him in and give him no lines just be like do your thing dude and he does his thing for real just pull his string he goes off yeah so zelda shows up and mickey just shoes her away and uh so rip spins the wheel and it ends up on 22 green and rip loses his mind the money just piles up and up and up and then zelda comes back again and she says she's sure she knows him. She never forgets a wallet. <laughs> Mickey hands her like a couple stacks of bills, like thousands of dollars. He just like hands her to go away. She takes off. Boss asks Mickey why he's giving away his money. But Mickey just ignores him. Like boss doesn't seem to care about it after. He just asks the question. And uh, yeah, Mickey asks Peter what number's next. And Rip says they don't have any plaid. And Mickey says, well, I guess we lose everything. <laughs> and Zelda pops back up and she says, I knew you. I knew you. She's a, uh, he's magic fingers. The boss catches on now that it's been laid out right in front of him. Like the entire plan is laid right out. He's like, oh, wait a minute. I get this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Nothing gets past boss. So that he yells at Biggie to, to get him. So it leads us into the monkey's romp with Doran to summer. Fantastic. Our current number one on the Randomatic Countdown. Yes, indeed. Not a, not a very rompy tune, but hey, any, anytime it's on, I'm going to listen to it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's them. they're all running around the table both ways. Then they all scatter. Zelda steals all the money. And uh, Peter gives Biggie a flower, which makes him sneeze. Mickey's like riding mm-hmm. the spinny thing on the roulette table. Uh, I guess the roulette wheel is what it's called. <laughs> Peter and Davey are roughing up Biggie, but a beautiful woman walks by and they forget all about him and go after her. And Davey spins a big, huge wheel and stops it himself. And then he kisses one of the girls playing the game. There's three girls playing this spinning game. Uh, so then Biggie's roughing up Peter and Davey, but the same woman walks by. And then Biggie forgets about them and he chases her. <laughs> Davey spins the wheel, stops it, kisses the next woman. 
Uh, Boss and Biggie bump into each other, and Biggie gives Boss the flower, which makes him sneeze. Davey kisses the third woman playing the game, of course. Uh, Mike is, uh, Mike's, he's like a scale, and Mickey's putting coins in each hand to try to balance him out, but eventually he falls over. Uh, Dort is chasing the boss, but he gives him the flower, which makes Dort sneeze. Zelda's playing the slots, and then she comes up to Mickey and she pulls on his arm, and a bunch of coins hit the floor. I don't know where they came out of. I thought he was going to spit them all out, but we just cut to his feet and you see a bunch of coins. It's like his water broke, but a bunch of coins (laughs) fell out of him. Dort gives Rip the flower, and Rip sneezes. Everyone fights over the bags of cash. Peter's spinning on the roulette wheel, and he's handing out flowers as he goes around, and people keep walking past him. People playing keep away with the bag again, like throwing the bag of money to each other. Rip gives Peter the flower. He sneezes. This is a very sneezy flower. What going on with that flower? Yeah, uh, more keep away with the bag, and then that beautiful woman walks through again, and Peter goes after her. Then we cut to another thing while Peter is sneezing. Mike takes a flower, takes a petal off, and eats it <laughs> for some reason. And everyone's running around the table. And then Boss and Biggie get too tired and they pass out. And Peter pours all the cash on them for some reason. Okay. See, and the one thing with Doran to Summer, maybe because of its content of like gathering your riches throughout your life and then realizing at the mm. end that you wasted your time, kind of fits in yeah. with what they're going here. So. It's thematically sound. How about yeah, that? Exactly. Unlike last week's, where, uh, what was it? They could have played a song that was more swashbuckly or something. I can't remember what it was now, but. More swashbuckly they, than Daydream Believer? Yeah, like they should have played Going Down then instead. You know what I mean? To go Probably, with yeah. what they're doing. But whatever, that was last like episode. Is, it's not like, you know, playing Laugh when the boxing sequence is on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's poetry, man. Yeah. It's a juxtaposition, man. <laughs> you're laughing, you're punching the face. Right? Like, Come on, man. <laughs> Dave, you've been drinking. Always, man. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time since Davey Powers showed up. Yeah. So anyway, we cut to a scene, and Mike, Peter, and Davey, they're in front of the camera, like looking right at the camera. And Mike explains that the show is over, but they have to do a tag, which is something that is so hilarious it makes you want to tune in next week. And that yeah. Peter, Davey, and Mickey are going to be doing it. And uh, it's very, it's kind of cool breaking down that wall and showing you some Dude, showbiz they stuff. They take the fourth wall and put it in the wood chipper. Yeah. And there's just sitcom 101. Here we go. Yeah, pretty much. So then they go through their piece where Davey says that they never would have been in this mess if it wasn't for Mickey's gambling problem. And Peter says, well, at least I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right, Mickey? And like throughout the thing, when Peter and Davey are talking to each other, whenever they say Mickey, it just cuts to a flash of Mickey dresses the gangster. Like, yeah, like a frame of Mickey. Yeah, or like a blast flash of Mickey. And then, uh, so then Mike comes back out and he explains that now they're going to cut to footage of Mickey gambling and then cut back to us. Cut back to us. Cut back to us. Because they keep cutting to Mickey, cutting back to them. They keep using Mike saying that over and over. And then he says, and so it's Mickey pretending to, to gamble and then he wins money or something. And then they have to make a pain face to the camera. And they all make this face. And then Mike loses it laughing at this ridiculous <laughs> thing. Which brings us, obviously, to Cuddly Toy. It's the boys, they're all playing. Mike's on, playing guitar, sitting on a, top of the piano that Peter's playing, and then Mickey's on the drums. And Davey's just dancing up front, playing. They're in, like, 
these suits with like the hats on and like a vaudevillian kind of look, I guess. Yeah, definitely a vaudeville thing. Like this is, I think in like the mid to late sixties, like vaudeville was kind of like, uh, it was having like late nineties. We had swing music, which is <laughs> for a minute. It was extremely hip, unbelievably annoying. And then so like maybe the vaudeville and the whole, that, that kind of shit kind of yeah. came back a little bit. And maybe they just thought they'd put on the striped suits and stuff. I think Davey still wore that jacket a couple times. <laughs> At least a couple times when I've seen him play live with the monkeys. I mean, wait, who's got that jacket? She's got my jacket. Yeah, no, it's cool. And it's a cool little scene of them up on stage playing and they're all doing their thing. Mickey's on drums and they're all doing the harmonies and stuff. It's, it's a cool thing. And, it's cute. It's fun. And definitely one time, man. Uh, Davey, he sometimes looks like one of those toys where you push the bottom and they go all limp and get, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and that's not yeah, an insult. Them, by way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. That's funny. Yeah. And, it, and it's um, like, he sometimes looks like water when he's dancing. Like he's just like <laughs> doing totally. full on Davy Jones moves. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a different mix in this episode because I don't know. It's not a, Davey doesn't seem as prominent. It seems like there's a lot more Mickey. It's yeah. almost more of them singing together. Which really doesn't happen super a lot. And I think I've said that at least once before. But here's a good example of them singing together. Yeah. And also, uh, the end of it, like that light, 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 light. Yeah, that's not there. That's not there at all. It's just like, light, done. Nope. <laughs> We're done. Because I guess, you know, they weren't playing an empty theater. The place was packed. <laughs> so then after that, we now go to, it's a blooper reel from... The Monstrous Monkey Mash, which we haven't Jeez, seen Louise. yet. It's coming up in a few episodes. And it's... It's like around, around here, I'm like, like, how short was this episode? <laughs> yeah. And they don't do the, the interviews really anymore. So I had to fill it up with all this other stuff. No, that, after that disastrous interview in the rainbow room there, when Mickey was like, I'm too tired. Yeah. He was alone. Yeah, true. <laughs> and so then it, it, it's Mike and Mickey. They're going through a, 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 a scene thing where he's like, oh, Mike says, hey, man, that's a groovy button. What's it say? And Mickey says, love is the ultimate trip. And he says, well, that's a groovy button. What does it say? And Mike's supposed to say, save the Texas prairie chicken. But for whatever reason, he cannot get through this line. Can't, cannot do it. Yeah. Sometimes just looking at Mickey, who is trying not to laugh. Yeah, exactly. Sets him off. And you can see a couple times Mickey did like, the, come on, man. <laughs> but he couldn't get through it. And then that's that's the end of the episode right there. Do you know what a prairie chicken is? I do not. I think it, like the Texas prairie chicken he's talking about is for real a, a Texas prairie chicken. But in university, uh, do you remember the, the, like, the shot, the prairie fire, which was... Uh, I think it was tequila and uh, Tabasco sauce, Gross. right? And a prairie chicken was tequila, Tabasco sauce, and a raw egg. Oh God, I thought it was joy. I thought it was going to be like because you're a chicken. It was like orange juice <laughs> and a cherry. <laughs> you're being a Texas nope. prairie chicken, but <laughs> no, it's something way more disgusting. It's a poultry modification to a shot designed to make you barf. There you go. Like those shots are like what? Why? Who? Why? Who's doing these shots? Other than on someone's birthday 
when you want to make someone throw up. And that's oh, that's such a young person move. Like older people, uh-huh. can you imagine? Happy 50th birthday. Here's your cherry fart chicken and you're drinking whatever <laughs> this thing is just to make your buddy throw up. It's like you're, you're not goal, going. The goal was to be able to spell your initials on the bar in front of you with the shots on your birthday. <laughs> like, gee. I changed Hard my pass. name to dot dot. Your friends are your, your so called friends are coming at you with Goldschlager, <laughs> this and that. Like oh, Goldschlager, yeah, who's 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 the pus- How is that still in business, Goldschlager? I'm not sure it is. I have not seen. I've not looked for it. But I'm not sure. I don't know if Goldschlager is still around. Maybe if not, it's like you kind of did that to yourself, Goldschlager, by making the most disgusting <laughs> drink you could make. <laughs> no doubt. But anyway. So yeah, that's the end of the show. Uh, overall thoughts of this. Um, I, again, I'll go back. I thought there was going to be something about the band in it, foolishly, just because oh. <laughs> I, nope. it was set up for it. And uh, again, I feel once the laugh track went away, the episodes went off the rails. Like anything mm-hmm, goes, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a, a slight skeleton of a story and a script, yeah. but that's as far as it goes. Yeah, there's a lot more outtakes left in, uh, a lot more like sort of like riffing upon riffing. There's no there's no laugh track getting in the way. You can edit it differently. The, the cuts are quicker. The lines are right up against each other now. And like <laughs> like we were saying, it's at the end of the episode. There's the the lengthy tag about <laughs> explaining how the show works, and then there's cuddly toy, and then there's the blooper reel, and so like. And it didn't feel like there was that much show missing, but it was just so compressed. You had all that Rip Taylor, all that goofing around, and just it's all just in there. It's, yeah. It's action-packed. <laughs> it is. And I, you're probably right with, because they're cutting things so close together now, they're probably losing, like, seconds that end up to be minutes in the, in the up, cut. Yeah, and they're sure. like, oh, like gosh. Suddenly, 22 minutes is 20 minutes. Yeah. And NBC's like, you owe us 20 minutes, 22 minutes, monkeys. So, one thing, no guns in an episode with gangsters. And cops. Yeah. They they, they weasel in guns when they, they're driving little kids around in dune buggies and playing with puppies. <laughs> but when it's huh. gangsters and cops, they can't get a gun in there? That's, that's pretty impressive. Maybe this is a challenge put upon them by pacifist Peter Tork. Perhaps. And his pet pig Porky. We we might have to just look. Maybe someone has one in their their waist belt or something. Like I don't know. It's very shocking that even like as a, as an mm. accessory, they wouldn't have a gun with them. That's wild. And yeah. I think at this point, we're still a single digit number of episodes that do not have guns. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of this, when we're done episode fifty eight, we'll we'll have like a a roundup, <laughs> a, a gun down. Yeah. Of different things. Episode one, yes. Episode two, yes. Episode three, no. Episode four, yes. <laughs> um, highlight of the show for you? Oh, I got to go with the Texas Prairie Chicken. It's just Mickey and Mike being hilarious. Yeah. And even though it's not even a part of this show, it's a part of this no, show. No, no, no. And it's... Like in the show itself, I think this is the first time we see, aside from like uh, the Rainbow Room, like Mike's... Second half of season two, look, which yeah. became sort of iconic amongst us monkeys fans with the shades, with uh, shirt and tie, no jacket. Yeah, no hat. Like, like there's some you could definitely see they developed their sort of personality and their style while they're on the road in between doing 
uh, headquarters and Pisces. And when they went to London and all that, all that happened between records. It's insane. And they were like halfway through doing a, a season of TV. Yeah. It's, it's hard to get perspective on how busy these guys were. That's what I always try to think, man. Now with, we'll talk about this on a future episode, but the new uh, Andrew Stanton book, Monkeys Day by Day, uh, yeah. it, it it will definitely break down how busy they were because it literally goes day by day and what they were doing. And it's... That's nuts. It's fantastically researched. and It's it's an amazing book. It weighs like 54 pounds, but it's... Uh, so next season, me and Paco are going to live day by day as the monkeys are going to move to Malibu. Yeah. And we're going <laughs> to rent a beach house. And we're going to do exactly what the monkeys did. Yeah, every day. We'll, we'll, we'll put it up here and everybody can follow us. Or if you want to s- skip ahead, you can just read the book. A kid is going to give us a horse on the beach and we're going to have to take it back to the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Numerous princesses from fictional countries are, g- are going to need rescuing. Yep, we're going to have to marry so many of them before midnight. Um, I agree, that's my highlight of the show as well. Uh, was there a monkey's ruse? Of course, when they're gangsters, they're rusing. Mm. Oh, yeah. um, fourth wall break, very many of them. Uh, <laughs> the the biggest one definitely was explaining what a tag was, and they they yeah. totally break that fourth wall down. All right, best musical moment for me, obviously, "Door into Summer." It's my favorite song, so it has to be oh, my yeah. favorite musical moment. Although I do like <laughs> the cuddly toy performance piece too. True, true. Classic monkeys moments. Uh, the biggest one I think is the double shot of "Isn't That Dumb." <laughs> for real it's probably the only maybe we'll see if it's the only time it happens twice in an episode yeah yeah because we're getting down to the nits and grits so it's uh we're running out of time to see what happens in episodes um anything that wouldn't fly in 2021 i think it's pretty tame this is this is like a, a primitive version of las vegas oh like, yeah well, fake vegas but like yeah, this is like like Rat Pack times. So this is just Vegas is just starting to become a thing. Yeah, it's probably they probably paid the monkeys to do an episode about Vegas so they could get some free, free press. <laughs> Which I guess if they paid them, it's not free. But anyway, hmm. <laughs> so we're in the did you know section. There isn't a whole lot for this. Um, David Astor, who's the boss, he has twelve credits. To his, uh-huh. his whole thing. Pepper Davis, who played Biggie, has 14 credits. Joy Harmon, Zelda, 32 credits. Sh- Sharon Hillier, who played Della, she has 21 credits. Many of them are just like bikini girl and like bartender girl <laughs> for her. It's a bummer. Uh, that's typecasting. Yeah, definitely. Dort Clark, he wins this uh, episode. Was a co- he was the cop and he has 85 credits. And Rip Taylor has 53 credits. I thought it would be like 156. I don't think he's in a ton of stuff. He just shows up on uh, I guess, like Hollywood Squares or whatever and just <laughs> ingratiates himself into your, into your psyche. Well, he was also with the Jackass guys, too. I think he ends the Jackass movies. Yes, yes. yes. Oddly enough. Uh, one thing I found, which I think is a bit of a stretch here. But it says, uh, in National Lampoon's Vacation, when Chevy Chase is yelling police brutality, when they got, uh-huh. it's a reference to Mickey yelling it in this episode. That's a, I, that's, I, I'm, that's a tough dot to connect, my friend. I would have to hear it 
like in a Harold Ramis interview or something, of one of the other <laughs> writers to say, yes, that's what that is from. Because uh, it was on oh, IMDb, yeah, but I think, I think people are talking south. I think you chucked that in the unlikely file. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've got a few things about this show. All right. About this episode, specifically from when it aired, which was like mid-December, yep, nineteen sixty-seven, and uh, with uh, that night, uh, CBS usually has Gunsmoke up against the monkeys, but instead for this episode, National Geographic special about sharks. Ooh, so sharks versus monkeys, and uh, the monkeys came in second this week, folks. Yeah, a shark will always beat a monkey. <laughs> and um other stuff that happened out in real life outside of this show the week that this aired uh davy jones quietly got married to linda oh wow and uh who my guests were not supposed to listen to <laughs> <laughs> and also this was right around the time that bob rafelson and jack nicholson finished their first draft of the soon-to-be-made monkeys movie. And you know what the working title of it at this point was? What was it? Changes. Weird. Interesting. Yeah. So for me, my, my personal memory connected with this episode is the blooper reel that saved the Texas Prairie Chicken part. Because yes. back in the day, when Je- Jeff and I, we used to do like a Wayne's World-esque show in my basement called the Jeff Cameron Show along with Jamal. <laughs> And we did a whole skit that was a recreation of that blooper scene. And uh, I remember watching it. We had my friend was there, Phil. He was our special guest at the time. Oh and he just did not know what was going on. And it was, uh, <laughs> I think it fell flat with, with uh, our viewers. Yeah, no, it was our viewers. <laughs> Hysterical. And also to go back to Save the Texas Prairie Chicken, when I had my Zoom call with Mike Nesmith, when you're filling out this form, like, Oh, what do you want him to sign? What about it? For me, I had, I wanted him to write, save the Texas Prairie chicken on the album. But then when we were talking or something, he said he wanted to write a smoke him if you got him. And I was like, okay, that's pretty funny. And he came up with it in the moment. So we went with that instead. But if I, if I ever sign something else, I'm going to get him to say, save the Texas Prairie chicken. (laughs) Awesome. And all right, that is, that is everything for the episode. But wait, what's this? What do I hear? Everybody's favorite second half of the show. The Randomatic Countdown featuring the wool hat of mystery. Yeah, buddy. Here we go. Let's get on get on into that hat, Paco. All right. I'll go first this time. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but I'm doing it. I'm pretty sure it's your turn. Here we go. Oh, what a night. But if I could live that night again, it would be the same. And if I had. So, Oh, what a night from Justice, sung by Sir David Jones. <laughs> again, it's definitely not a bad song by any means. It's a, I like the ending. That that ver- verbose, grandiose ending. I say day. I really think um, they sound great all over this album where they sing together. 
Yeah. I just really like the way they sound. Like the there's like actual harmonies and it, the blend is really cool. And um, this is another example of that. And but uh, the song is like three minutes and thirteen seconds feels twice that. Yeah, it really does. Like it, some of the, uh, you know, <laughs> my first songwriting credit style uh, rhyme schemes involved. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know, man. It spins its Whatever, wheels. But I, like, like, I do like the sing-along parts and the, the grand ending, which mm-hmm. quite a few of those on Justice, it turns out. Yeah. It seems like a song, it's good, like it's fine, but it just like spins its wheels and doesn't really go anywhere, yeah. essentially. There's a cool guitar solo yeah. in there, too, but overall, um, not one of my favorite jams, that's for sure, off Justice. Yeah. I almost feel like I've got to go through like the bottom like 20 or something, like listen to them again, because I'm kind of like, what is this one? What is this one? Anyway, well, Teeny Tiny Gnome, above or below. <laughs> what number is Teeny Tiny Gnome? 122. Oh, wow. I'd go higher than that. I, I was, I was, I guess we're like every step of the way, way down here too, which is weird. What about like between, oh, I wouldn't say it's better than Peter Percival either. Let's put it between, I never thought of peculiar and if I knew at number 112. All right. I almost wish Davey covered the Four Seasons tune. Which I hate. I I agree. Same. Boggle, whenever you're ready, just pass that hat on over here. All right. Get on in there. Good news. It's daily, nightly, motherfuckers. Ooh. Bum, 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 bum. Line riff sampled into our uh, season two theme song for those uh, <laughs> eagle eared out there. Daily Nightly, written by Michael Nesmith, sung by Mickey Dolans, drummed by Fast Eddie Ho, based by uh, probably uh, Chip, maybe Peter. I don't know, we can look it up later. Uh, but and guitared by Mike and Moog synthesizered by George Michael Dolans. I think he purchased the third Moog synthesizer ever made. And here it is. And he's just like, <laughs> he's just doing the Mickey Dolan's thing on the synthesizer. Yeah. Just, just winging it and having a blast. Yeah. And it's, it's arguably like the first time a Moog synthesizer was used on a, on a rock recording. It's, it, it's a, it's a historical track for sure. It's also, it is Chip Douglas Absolutely. on the bass as well. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. And uh, the lyrics are like about the the curfew riots, the Sunset Strip mm-hmm. curfew riots as well. So, just a great song, just so awesome, so trippy, so weird. I'll, I'll always be bitter. It's not on the Monkey's psychedelic, like that album that came <laughs> out that had all their psychedelic songs. It wasn't on it. And instead, right. she was on it, and I was like, I like she a lot, but, but it's not as we, more psychedelic than as Daily. We discussed. It's got that filthy garagey bassline, and it's. Uh, it's great. So there's just not enough room on the record for all the, the sort of yeah. garagey tunes. Um, if it had, if it came down to it, I might have left off Star Collector and just had this as the Moog song. Yeah, but whatever. I, I feel, as we've said before, the Adorn to Summer, Love Is Only Sleeping combo. They kind of go together so well for me. Mm. 
it's it's a daily nightly star collector kind Absolutely, of yes. work together <laughs> so well. The synthesizer and I think they have the similar videos. Yeah, don't they? I think so. Aren't they in the, the white sweaters? Yeah, and the that's probably room? why. Yeah, yeah. So where where do you feel daily nightly should go on this list here? Like just hearing it again, uh, and this happens to us now and then where we hear a song again. We're like, oh shit, this is a yeah excellent tune, so radical, and this is one of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just like going down was, and I think it goes around going down. Maybe right behind it, our new number seventeen is daily nightly. There you go. By I the monkeys, say, definitely has to go up high. You cool with that? Yeah, definitely. It's good, good. But all right, I'm going to reach in and pull out our third and final song of the day. There we go. It is. Oh my God, you can't believe it. She. <laughs> yes tremendous what are the odds of that she's like oh yeah you want to replace me give me another listen she, she told me that she loved me and like a fool I believed her from the start she, she said she'd never hurt me but then she turned around and broke my heart alright so she from more of the monkeys Mickey Dolan singing away. Oh, oh. Great tune. This is a, a Boyce and Hart joint, I believe. Yeah, it is. It honestly, the people listed, there's 25 musicians listed on this song, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, so yeah, I would so as far as she goes, um, I definitely dig that song. See, it's one of the ones that was on the very first Monkey's Greatest Hits. Like the album that got us mm. both into the monkeys, the first thing that we both got into. So it's one of those songs I've heard a million, million times. So I played that every night when I a went million, to bed. A million, billion. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it really reminds me of listening to uh, my mom's record. She had monkeys and more of the monkeys. And this is one of the songs, like a deeper cut is still on the show. And like they play it in the suits, in the blue room there. And Peter's yeah. on the keyboards. And um, like you say, there's, there's 25 credited musicians on here. But this is one of those... Like more of a garagey tune that could be convincingly ganged out, <laughs> ganged out, convincingly banged out by four dudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great tune. It's yeah, one of the the, the low key standouts on more of the monkeys for sure. And so as mm-hmm. far as the the uh, the old randomatic countdown goes, I'm thinking it maybe like it, it goes feels like an upper jam, Paco. Feels like an upper jam to me. See, I had it around 40, I had it at 45 between little bit me, a little bit you, and she hangs out. But it, I, I'm up for discussion. That's, I don't know, I think that's a, little, a bit lower than I expected. But hey, you pulled the tune, you put it where she goes. Where, where, where would you put it then in here? Like, ooh. Like I would at least have it in the in the thirties, Mary Mary, and whatnot, right around there. I would say, but that, maybe that's just me. Okay, let's put it in at number thirty nine between Moonfire and You Didn't Feel That Way Last Night. Ooh, it's it's infiltrating the uh, Dolan's Jones Boyce and Hart triumvirate. Yeah, and seriously, Moonfire and she sound. But it's not just fine put together, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so the hat <laughs> opens slow, but uh, 
Gave it to us good right at the end here. Did it ever. It uh, really came through. As it's known to do at times. Oh, yeah. I almost like it when we have like jams and jellies mixed into the same random out of countdown. We'll have absolutely rather than like they're they're both fun to talk about, but it's it's also fun to listen to the good tunes. Oh yeah, yeah, it is. That's why I I don't want all jellies. That's for sure. But it has happened, and all jams happens. It's nice, but then you get worried. Like, what are we getting left with here? Yeah. So, but then there's like songs like this one where like you kind of forget you probably haven't listened to it for 10 years because you know what that song sounds like <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so yeah we hope that uh this this list takes uh monkeys fans back to some songs they forgot or songs they didn't even remember that they forgot and uh <laughs> spark some renewed interest yeah buddy well okay well that that wraps up our show i'd say on this it seems like an extra long edition of uh, podcast valley sunday so much happened in uh monkeys at the wheel yeah, it was actually in fact. Hey, that's a groovy <laughs> button. What does it say? Save the text. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, so from me, Paco. And me, Jeff. Have yourselves a monkey's little evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>